Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer, and welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Friday, March 3rd, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, a look at Senator Tim Scott's support in the Senate for a possible presidential run. Number two, what House Dem Caucus Chair Pete Aguilar told us at the Dem retreat. And number three, Tom Tillis on crypto. All right, let's get to it here on this Friday morning. Uh, We have the top of Punchbowl News this AM with a lead looking at uh, what else? The 2024 uh, presidential field. And in particular, the fact that it's no secret that Senate Republicans aren't enthusiastic about the possibility that Donald Trump could be their party's 2024 presidential nominee. While a few GOP senators have endorsed Trump, the majority will be looking elsewhere for their next White House hopeful. Florida GOP Governor Ron DeSantis is popular nationally, of course, and some Senate Republicans have defended the former three-term House member against attacks from Trump. But Senator Tim Scott, the Republican from South Carolina, who is increasingly looking like a presidential candidate, would be a welcome alternative for many of them if he gets into the race. Our very own John Bresnahan and Andrew Desiderio talked to several of Scott's colleagues. Um, you know, and the readout is is not that surprising. Scott is well-liked by senators in both parties, is popular back home in South Carolina. I think the big question uh, that remains not only for for senators, but I think for those that are watching this, this 24 field uh, start to shape up is whether he can appeal to a broader GOP electorate and perhaps more importantly, whether the electorate is even prepared to cut Trump loose in the first place. Of course, Scott is a staunch conservative, but he's not a culture warrior, a plus for GOP moderates. A black Republican in a party that's overwhelmingly white, Scott's life story is an inspiring one. He's the grandson of an illiterate cotton farmer whose single mom worked double shifts to support him, and he has now risen to the upper ranks of American politics. To some, he's the proper blend of sunny Reagan Republicanism with a Tea Party edge, and despite being a career politician... He was first elected to public office in 1995. He doesn't have the Washington insider vibe. Uh, of those that are pretty supportive uh, of his of a possible Scott run, uh, that includes Mitt Romney, who said he could see him sitting down in living rooms in Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, John Kennedy, the Republican from Louisiana, uh, said that it looks to me like Tim is going to run in the lane. It's morning in America. Of course, a reference to the famous 1984 Reagan reelection ad. Scott does have a conservative voting record and his positions on abortion, guns, taxes and immigration put him firmly on the right side of the GOP conference. His biggest legislative win was helping create opportunity zones as part of the 2017 Trump tax cuts. Those allowed tax deferrals for investors in distressed communities. Scott won a House seat in 2010 after a long stint on the Charleston County Council. He was appointed to the Senate in January 2013 by South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who he may end up running against in the GOP uh, presidential primary. Scott won a special Senate election in 2014 as, and was then reelected in 2016 and 2022. Scott is the first black senator elected in the South since the 1880s and is one of only 11 black senators in U.S. history. 
So this is going to be one that we are really closely watching, uh, is particularly the body language for Senate Republicans as they look at the 24 map. Uh, they were very frustrated, of course, after uh, the midterm cycle and the candidates that uh, former President Donald Trump endorsed, supported, largely not winning in some of those tight key races, uh, which have left them in the minority and so you're going to see it's it's just very interesting already. You have Susan Collins, Bill Cassidy in the item you can read uh, on our website that really kind of dives deep into the idea that uh, a lot of Senate Republicans are looking for somebody else that is not Donald Trump and potentially not Ron DeSantis uh, or the others in the field who would they would look to support. All right, let's go to the number two story of the morning. Our very own Heather Cagle sat down with House Democratic Caucus Chair Pete Aguilar Thursday at Punchbowl News' Cocktails and Conversations during the House Democratic Retreat in Baltimore. Aguilar dished on his future ambitions, how he views President Joe Biden's re-election race, and what his most used emoji is. Here's the top takeaways. Aguilar doesn't, which is surprising because pretty much everybody does when you run for office, does not have any intentions to run statewide in California. He told us he's a House guy. California Democrat wouldn't answer directly when asked if he wants to be speaker one day. In other California political news, Aguilar said he won't be endorsing in the crowded California Senate race that already features Democratic reps Adam Schiff, Barbara Lee, and Katie Porter as contenders. Aguilar also said that President Joe Biden's intention to sign the disapproval resolution repealing the new D.C. criminal code is, quote, disappointing for me and anybody who believes in home rule. Despite that, Aguilar said Biden has his full support for re-election. And on an issue close to our heart, and I'm very sad he's not this here this morning to talk about it, uh, Aguilar said he isn't part of the House Bagel Caucus. This was a Jake Sherman question. I know many of you are very surprised by that. Here's what he said. My job is to represent the entire Democratic Caucus. So where does this end? If I join the Bagel Caucus, the Waffle Caucus is going to be upset, and then I'm going to have to join the Pancake Caucus. Right. Well, we will be pressing him further on this uh, to figure out what exactly he likes. He did say that his favorite bagel was an everything bagel with toasted with cream cheese. So uh, we did some fun questions at the end of our interview, including uh, Aguilar's favorite GOP member, Representative Dan Newhouse, his favorite food in the Capitol and pizza or buffalo chicken sandwich from Longworth, one that we are going to have to try. Aguilar's first concert, Sublime and No Doubt in the 1990s. And his most used emoji while in D.C., the melting face. Afterwards, it was really fun. Um, I was up in Baltimore for this conversation, as was Jake and Max, as well as obviously Heather, who did the interview. Uh, but we had a lot of members of the Dem uh, Caucus who joined us for uh, cocktails afterwards, including House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, House Minority Whip Catherine Clark, former Speaker Nancy Pelosi, former Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, House Assistant Democratic Leader Jim Clyburn, and many, many others. Um, thanks to all who joined in, and a big thank you to the Dem Caucus for allowing us to work with them to have this event. It was really fun. All right, let's move on to number three story of the morning, crypto. Our very own Brendan Peterson has had a Q&A with Tom Tillis on what's possible in a divided Congress. Uh, Tillis, the Republican from North Carolina, has emerged as an increasingly key player in several bipartisan packages that have cleared the Senate and become law in recent years. But crypto might actually be a sweet spot for Tillis, a, number, a member rather of both the Senate, banking and finance committees. Tillis also happens to share a home state with House Financial 
Services Committee Chair Patrick McHenry, who has made digital asset legislation a top priority. A couple of key takeaways here. Talis is more skeptical about crypto than he used to be. The North Carolina Republican told us that he's had, quote unquote, ongoing discussion and debate with his staff about crypto in the months since the crypto exchange FTX collapsed. Tell us that he has not given up on the sector either. He said the industry needs to think more seriously about self-regulation before Congress steps in. Although he did say self-regulation isn't an alternative to meaningful government oversight. Tilla said that it would be considerably easier for Congress to establish best practices if the sector took greater strides to organize itself with some basic principles. Tillis also cheered the House Financial Services Committee's approach, where Democrats and Republicans spent much of the 117th Congress hammering out starting principles behind a stablecoin reform bill. Now, Tillis said the Senate needs to work with the House to see what is possible for them, what they're willing to pursue. That is going to produce some level of support from Democrats. And with that, thank you so much for listening this week. We appreciate it. If you like The Daily Punch, please share or tell your friends about it. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. You can also go deeper on all of these stories and more by signing up for our free morning newsletter at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.